it's, uh, it's great to see everybody here today, and if you're a guest, we're really glad you're here. We want, to know, we want you to know if you're a guest, you're welcome to anything we have going on that pertains to you. I'm David. I am the pastor of the church. We're, uh, we're, we're kind of coming uh, today to bring to a, conclose, uh, a conclusion an emphasis we've had for the last two months called Impact. Uh, about three and a half years ago, in January of 2018, we moved out to this location. So we could reach people for Jesus. And that's what we're all about. And we still, that's still our mission, still our purpose, is to reach people for Jesus. But we understand that we're not going to reach everybody. And so if we can't reach someone, can we at least impact their life? And if by impacting their life, then maybe down the line we can somehow reach them and get them uh, to come to Christ. And so we've been, we've been doing this. And this is, this is the future of our church, to, to impact people so they can come to Jesus. Now part of the impact that we've done these last two months has involved a building campaign for when we, we've come out here, when we came out here, we, we didn't build near as much space as we had before. We had a whole lot more space, and we knew we would have to build kind of in, in phases. And it's time to be in that second phase, because when you take the totality of our work, what we're doing, we're really out of room. We, we, we've got to move forward. And so we've been, part of the impact has, has been the capital campaign. If, if you're a guest with us, we would never, ever ask you to give money to our church. We would never ask you to participate in any building campaign. But for those that this is a church home, that you've had the opportunity the last two weeks to kind of commit. We've had commitment Sundays, and, and today is Celebration Sunday where we celebrate the commitment so far. We know more is going to keep coming in in terms of commitments. And so today is we celebrate uh, what we've committed so far, and then it's kind of our, our first big offering that we take, and then starting next week, we have 36 months of, of impact, and even in, in taking up the offering, we never want people to take away from their normal giving. We never want you to stop giving to the budget or what you normally give for, for impact, impact something above and beyond, and so we want to share that commitment today on what we call Celebration Sunday. We'll celebrate. Our commitment right now is $987,700. We know that'll probably exceed a million dollars, and that's pretty good. That's a pretty cool chunk of change. That's going to go a long way to helping us in our phase two. And so we thank you for that. And uh, in celebrating that, we realize that we celebrate really every Sunday. We celebrate Jesus. And that's what we're all about. And so what I want to do is, is take all of impact and, and just bring it to a conclusion with this one message today. And, and to remind us what impact is really all about. Whatever you may think impact is, this is what it's about. It's about reaching. It's about reaching people. And so today we're going to be in Acts, in just a moment, Acts chapter 6, verse 7, to share about reaching. But before we get there, this is how we kind of bring it all to conclusion. This is what we want you to see through all of these messages. This is what matters. If we focus on impacting people's lives, we will reach many of them. And this is worth celebrating. If we focus on impacting people's lives, we will reach many of them. This is worth celebrating but we need to impact the right way. And so what we're going to do is we're going to come back to the book of Acts where we have been these last few weeks. And we're going to look at this early church. And we've been looking at the early church in September and in August, that part of impact, we were in Luke. Now we continue with the <clears throat> another book Luke wrote called Acts. And in that early church, we just see their growth. We see people coming to Jesus. It's amazing. And so what we really got to do was understand what they were all about. Because we need to look at that early church there and see what was this church all about? How can that help, help us? Now the church is people. And the church is people who do three things primarily. We honor God and praise Him and worship. We celebrate being followers of Christ together in community. And then we tell other people 
about Jesus. That's what we do. Now, in, in the book of Acts, as I shared the last few weeks, because Luke covers 30 years of the church's history, that early Christian growth, and that's a long period of time, he, he has these sections where he summarizes things. And that's kind of what we've been looking at the last three weeks, some of these kind of summaries of what's going on and where they're at at that moment. And that's where we really come today in, in chapter 6. Now, the importance of this summary has to do with what's going to occur in chapter 7. In chapter 7 of Acts, there is a crisis that occurs. Stephen, who is mentioned in chapter 6, he, he'd be introduced in chapter 6, is martyred. He's put to death by the Jewish leaders. And at his death, people realize the church is going to be persecuted, and they start to scatter. Now, as I said before, I remind you that uh, when the Holy Spirit came in Acts chapter 2, and uh, at what we call Pentecost, and 3,000 people were saved that day, people had been coming from all over the world to come to Pentecost. The Jews had come to celebrate the Pentecost celebration. They had come to be a part of it, Passover and Pentecost. And so when they heard about Jesus, they stayed. They just stuck around. And so they were, they were staying there, staying with people, and the church added 3,000 people that very first day. And then they kept adding and adding, as I shared with you, by, by several months, probably at least certainly by the time we get here, you got at least 20,000 people who are followers of Christ, many of them from, from all over. And we have seen the last couple of weeks, you know, they had to help meet their needs of these people. They had to help share. They had to help finance what was going on because all these people were there. Well, when Stephen was killed, those people began to scatter. They began to scatter and, and go take the gospel to other, other places. And so what we have here now is kind of this summation. In this summation, what we see in chapter 6 is, is three, kind of the three areas that have always been a part of church life, the three things churches tend to focus on. It kind of comes in here, and we kind of see the focus here of these because of an ongoing difficulty. And those three areas of church life has been concerning the Word of God, sharing the Word of God, preaching, teaching, ministry, meeting people's need, and administration, overseeing the governance of the church, the money of the church, they all kind of come together. And they come together here in chapter 6 because there were so many people with needs. There was a large group of widows who had needs, and everything was overseen, and every, the people involved in overseeing everything were the apostles. The 11 guys, minus Judas, was 12 and 11, plus they added Matthias, and probably you could add Barnabas and maybe Justice, who was considered as one, uh, being considered to be one of the 12, um, you know, maybe the brothers of Jesus. You had these handful of guys who were overseeing everything, and especially the apostles. And you're not going to do a good job trying to do all those things. And so a problem arose. The widows who came from the Greek world were not being treated, in their opinion, the same way as those who came from the Jewish-speaking world. And so you had this problem. The, the Greek-speaking Jewish Christian widows were, were being felt like they were getting the short end of the stick. And, 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 and they kind of were. And so the 12 met, and this is what they said in chapter 6, verse 2 to the church. They said, it's not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. They said, it is not desirable. That means it's not good for us to do something, to, do something, to neglect one thing, to do something else. And what they were going to neglect was the Word of God. I'll talk about what the Word of God means in a little bit. In order simply to serve tables. Now, ministry is important. Never think that ministry is important. It is. Ministry is important or they wouldn't have dealt with it. The administration of the money to minister is important. If it wasn't, they wouldn't have dealt with it. But as important as ministry, as important as administration is, they are not the priority of the church. The priority of the church is the Word of God. 
And that's what the apostles were saying. We weren't called to minister. Hey, I don't know how you realize this or not, but Jesus never called those guys to minister to people's needs. Didn't? He said, you will do it. You will heal and you will help and all that, but that's not what he called them. Nor did he call them to oversee all the money. He called them to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so he said, we can't neglect. Now, there's an important thing to consider in that word, serve. And I know you don't come to church and you don't care anything about Greek, and I get it because I don't either. But sometimes it's important. And there's a word that's important. And the word to serve is the word diakoneia. It's a verb. And it means to minister, to serve, to help, to meet needs. Diakoneo is to serve, to minister. And the noun form of that, diakonia, is ministry. And so this is a passage about ministry in part, about the word of God, but in part about ministry and ministering. There is a third word that's very similar called diakonos. The word, that means deacon. In all these words, you can kind of see the word deacon, diakon. Deacon comes from there. The word diakonos is never mentioned in this chapter or anywhere in Acts. Now, I tell you this because it's really important to understand that what happens a lot, especially in Baptist life, is we come to this passage, we come to this chapter, and we think this is all about deacons. And we, you know, they get all excited because we're going to set up deacons, and this is how they did it, and they had the seven men, this is all what it meant. And here's the point, when you do that, you miss the whole point of this chapter. Because it has nothing to do with deacons. Deacons are not even mentioned chronologically until Philippians. Actually, it's mentioned in the word, in the book of uh, Romans. In Romans 16, the, the feminine form of the word diakonos, diakonine, the, the feminine form is mentioned, but in, in reference to Phoebe. But since as devout Southern Baptists, we have no earthly desire to ever think that women could become deacons. So we just skipped that part altogether. We just scratched that verse out. You know, my Bible, I've just marked it out. Every, all 55 copies I have in my office, I just marked that part out. Yeah. But in the book of Philippians, then, is the first time deacons are mentioned, 30 years after this. It's just saying hello. The next time the word deacon is mentioned is in 1 Timothy. And Paul Paul sends Timothy to Ephesus because Ephesus has all these problems, and the problems are the result of the pastors and the deacons messing up. So he sends them there to kick the fanny and tell them what they're supposed to be doing. That's why we all we get. I tell you this because to understand, don't come here and think this is about deacons. In the next verse, in verse 3, it talks about the seven men, and it says how they need to you know, pick them. Here's what they need to do. They need to have a good reputation. They need to be full of the Holy Spirit and full of wisdom. We think, all right, those are deacons. Well, that's everybody. And listen, I want all of you, Jesus wants all of you to be of good reputation, to be full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. If you're greeting at the door, we want you to have a good reputation. We want you to have the Holy Spirit and be full of wisdom. All of that's important. So these guys tell him, you're going to pick these seven guys, and then he gives them the reason for it. In verse 4, he says this, we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of word. Instead of neglecting, we're going to be devoted to the ministry of the word. They include prayer as part, part of that. Prayer is part of everything. He says, we're going to go with the word of God. It's not that ministry is not important. It's not that administration isn't important. It's that the word of God is the priority. And what was the result of that? And this is where we come to the passage we're going to focus on today. One of these summations found in Acts chapter 6, verse 7. Here is what it says. The word of God kept on spreading. And the number of the disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem. 
And a great many of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith. Because of what they did, the decision they made, notice the word of God, which was the focus of all this, kept on spreading. The word of God really is synonymous with gospel. I mean, that's really what it is. It's the word about God, the word from God, and it concerns Jesus. And for our purposes, it's two things primarily. It's proclaiming the gospel to those who do not know Jesus. So it is sharing about his nature. He's God in the flesh, fully God, fully man. It's proclaiming the cross, that he died for our sins and God raised him back to life. It is proclaiming his ascension and that one day he'll return. And that in the meantime, he is here so that all who put their faith in him will receive forgiveness of sin and will receive salvation. That's what we proclaim, the mystery, the word of God. But it's also about teaching to those who are already believers. We teach the word of God. We teach the message of the apostles. So all the books, all those books in the New Testament, all the, the four gospels, Acts, Revelation, the 21 letters, we teach all of that because that is what the word of God is. That kept on spreading. It means it was spreading. It just kept on. It wasn't stopping. The word spreading means to overflow. And it's like the banks of a river overflowing. Or it's like if you fill up your sink to wash dishes and then you, you pour Dawn in there and you walk away and five minutes later you come back and the bubbles have overflow. So the word of God kept on spreading. And the number of disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem. The disciples, Jesus said in Matthew 28, we always quote this, go make disciples. Well, they were making disciples. And by the way, in Jerusalem is key because Christianity hadn't spread outside Jerusalem yet. And Acts 1-8 tells us what's going to happen. And I show this all the time. When you read the book of Acts, always start with Acts 1-8. I mean, if you, I don't mean so start in chapter 1, verse 1. But I mean, hey, I'm going to read from chapter 17 today. Fine. Go back and read 1-8 first. Because it sheds light on everything. Because 1-8 says this. Jesus said, the power of the Holy Spirit will come upon you. You will be my witnesses starting in Jerusalem. Then in Judea, Samaria, and the rest of the world. So they were just in Jerusalem. And it was increasing. It continued to increase greatly. In other words, increase means to multiply. Believers were multiplying greatly. The word greatly is a violent term. I mean, it just means it was just massive. Why were they doing this? Was it because they picked seven guys to take care of serving tables and to administer all the funds? No. They had that wasn't the reason. The reason it kept on spreading and growing greatly was because the word of God it was the gospel that was the reason people increased believers in Jerusalem. Not only that, though, but Luke kind of adds this, and it was a great many priests becoming obedient also. Now, the importance of that is that who these priests were. Priests were, were connected to the temple. The job of priests was to serve the temple. Now, there were some priests who were connected to the temple all the time. We see in Jerusalem, they were aristocracy. They come from the Sadducees party. They were the chief priests. The chief priests were, were the ones who, who were rulers, kind of. They were the ones who were responsible in many ways for the death of Jesus and eventually the death of Stephen. These were not those guys, most likely. There were thousands of priests all throughout the area of Palestine. And if you go back to Luke, the beginning of, of Luke's gospel, in chapter 1, there was, it starts with the story of a priest named Zacharias. Luke begins his account of Jesus with the humble priest who loved God. These priests were just the rank and file. They were the people all around who just loved God and who were looking for a Messiah. They became obedient to the faith. They heard about Jesus, and they believed. The idea of obedient to the faith 
The word faith there, uh, it, it, it can mean, it, it has a tendency to mean multiple things in Scripture. It can mean salvation. They came to faith as believers. It can mean the doctrine, the faith is all that what we believe. And it can also just mean the movement, the Christian faith. And here it probably means all of that. They had such an impact through the gospel, through the word of God, that those Jewish men and their families who were looking for the Messiah found him. I mean, this was an unbelievable event. The church just took off. And to understand why it took off and what they were all about is very simple. The church grew because their mission and passion were reaching people with the gospel of Jesus. That was their mission and purpose. It was their passion. It was what they were devoted to. was taking the gospel of Jesus and using it to reach people. Not ministry. Not administration. Those are important, but that's not what they were using. They took... Jesus. And why Jesus? Why the gospel of Jesus? Why would this be what they were taking? It's real simple. No one can impact like Jesus. No one can impact like Jesus. Not Peter. Not the other apostles. Not Paul later on. Not you. Not me. None of us impact like Jesus. So that's what they were all about. Getting people to Jesus. Which brings me now then to how I just want to sum up all of these last two months about impact. And I want to do it by asking a very simple question that we need to ask ourselves. What will we be about? What will we be about? 2005, I, uh, Debbie and I went to Bridgeport, Texas to pastor First Baptist there. Good church, good people. But they had, uh, they had gone through a devastating split. I mean, it just took a huge chunk of people. And so, you know, for the second time in a row, I went to a church that had a split. You know, the same thing in Laredo. I always want to point out, this is important, the splits occurred before I arrived, not after. Those are always critical things. Nobody to date has split since I arrived. Knock on wood. Okay, I'll do all that. So you went there, and, and the church that split from them had really grown. I mean, by the time we got there, I mean, they, they, had, they were just blown. They were reaching people. People were baptized. They were already as big, if not bigger, than First Baptist. It didn't take much longer, and they were just blowing past. They were about, ended up being about big as us. And uh, they were just tremendous doing stuff. And the odd thing was, when we got there, First Baptist, their view was, and this is true, we won the split. Like, we won. I'm like, how in the world do you win a split? Who are the winners in a split? I can tell you one thing, if there was a winner in a split, it wasn't you. But their view was, we kept the building, we won. It would be like, be like the game last night, you know, the you know, NMSU lost, but it'd be like, well, we actually won because we kept our stadium. You know, they have to leave, you know. <laughs> University of Hawaii is not staying to take over our campus. You know, why would you want to leave Hawaii to take over our stadium? <laughs> so, uh. No offense to any of you who uh, might think otherwise. And so that was, their, that was their attitude. And so I got there, and, and I realized for several years I had been dealing with the fact that, that I, under, I was understanding that the way we did things was going to have to change if we were really going to keep reaching people. And, and, and the, the world was changing. Our culture was changing. I grew up in a culture where we believed in absolute moral authority. We believed in absolute truth. It was a Christian modern culture. There was a right and wrong. People who did wrong understood they did wrong, paid the price. But the culture changed. And, and, and growing up were millennials and soon to follow Gen Zers. And you, they grew up, some of you, you grow up being told 
There is no absolute moral authority. Right is whatever you want it to be. Whatever you want to be right is right. That world thinks differently. They don't think about God, and they don't think about the church the way the people I grew up did. And we didn't realize that. And in, in church life, there's five, five kind of things that you have to understand that we do. There is the Messiah who's Jesus. There is the message of the Messiah that he is Lord. And there's the mission that takes that message, and that is to reach people for Christ. That never changes. But two things do change. Methods change, and ministries change. The problem is, some churches never want to change the methods in the ministries. They like, that was good enough for me 30 years ago. It's how I came to Christ. It can work now. You know, that's their mindset. Then some churches, not only do they want to change their methods and ministries, they want to change the mission, and they want to change the message, and they want to adopt the, the the culture and say, we well, you know we're going to have to be more accommodating and we're going to have to understand there's more ways to, to God than just Jesus and there's more books than just the Bible. And they go the other extreme. And so, you know, I was kind of faced with this question. How do we reach people for Jesus? That's really what it was all about. How do we reach people for Jesus? Because that's what we have to ask. That's what we have to begin to understand and I was dealing with that. And, and I think back, and when I was in Laredo, uh, there was this lady who was a part of our church. Her husband was very active. She wasn't, but she liked to pretend she was. And she was big in the community, big, big social person in the community. And um, so she came to me one day, and uh, she wanted our church. She said, I want my church to get involved in Habitat for Humanity. She was a part of Habitat for Humanity. I think she ran it. Great organization. You know what it is? They build homes for people. Fantastic. Got no problems with it. But I knew about it. And so I said, well, tell me about it. And I was kind of, all right, I'll give you a shot. She told me about it. And I said, let me ask you one simple question. If we participate in this, can we tell people about Jesus? She said, no. And I said, well, then we won't participate because that's not what we're about. We're not here to build homes. Good idea. We ain't doing it. And she was stunned. She said, well, did you name some churches that were doing it? And I said, yeah, they're doing it, but they're also dying. Those churches aren't reaching by. They're dying. I know they're dying because their people are coming to our church. And when people from their denomination come to town, you know, new people, and they, they go there to see what they got, they don't go. They come to our church. So just because they're doing it doesn't mean it's a good idea. In fact, if they're doing it, it's probably a dumb idea for me to do it. And, of course, she got upset and left, and that's fine. But the whole point is, just because an idea may be good and helpful doesn't mean we should do it. When I, when I we came to Bridgeport, uh, they were struggling reaching children. And, uh, and so they were, they're still trapped kind of in a, in a different millennium, a different, a different time. If you grew up in Babbitt's life, then you probably are familiar with the organizations of RAs, GAs, and Mission Friends. We're all ambassadors, girls in actions, Mission Friends. If you're not from the Baptist world, or if you're young, then that means nothing to you. And I got it. Praise God, it means nothing to you. That's fine. They're good organizations in their day. And we had them, and they're mission organizations. Now, there was a time when the church had full-blown ministry, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday nights. We don't do that. But you had everything on Sunday morning. You had all this stuff on Sunday night. You had all this stuff on Wednesday night, and you had to program it. And these were mission organizations that were very good because they taught kids about missions. Only problem was we don't program that way anymore, not even in 2005. And they were only reaching about 10 to 12 kids. That wasn't enough. So I brought in Awana. It's like I brought Awana here. Because Awana reaches kids and teaches them about Jesus. And our Awana ministry was growing. We had over 40 and 50 kids come to Awana. 
And the RHGA's people were all upset. They're like, well, these are good programs. And I'm like, well, okay, I got you. They helped us and my kids. And if you just spent more money, blah, 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 blah. I said, okay, I'll give you one more year. I'll spend more money on it. No, it wasn't going to work. I'll, I'll whatever you want. And they were still only reaching 10 or 12 kids. And they didn't understand why. And I said, it's simple. Because parents don't care if their kids learn about missions. Right or wrong, they just don't care. But they do care if they learn about Jesus. Because ultimately, everything comes back to Jesus. See, here's the thing. There are many ways a church can impact people. But if we don't share the story of Jesus in the process, we're not likely going to reach them. Listen, you can do all the good ministries and things out here like Habitat for Humanity, but the church doesn't share Jesus. We're not reaching anybody. And by the way, churches can stay stuck in another millennium if you want. And you can keep doing things that nobody comes to, but if nobody comes to it, you're not telling them about Jesus. So why are you going to keep doing it? Because in the end of the day, what we do is tell people about Jesus. Because Jesus is the one they need to change their life. So what are we going to be about? And it's very simple. Like that early church, nothing can distract us or divert us from the ministry of the word that is Jesus and his gospel. Nothing can distract us or divert us from that. And churches let that happen all the time. This past year and a half, we had this thing called COVID. And many churches changed the fundamentals of what they do and who they are to deal with COVID. And they stopped sharing the gospel for whatever reason. And all I can tell you is this. If you read the New Testament carefully, nowhere does it ever tell us that we are to stop sharing the word, the gospel, in order to keep people safe from a disease. It never tells the church, stop sharing the gospel for any reason. Some churches, they get distracted by ministry. They're so caught up in being involved in ministries and programs that they forget or they neglect or ignore Jesus. Some some churches, they get caught up in denominational life. And I get this. Listen, I've been a Southern Baptist all my life. I've been a Southern Baptist pastor for 41 years. I've been around 60 years, 16 and a half. My mother was a Baptist, so technically, when my mom was pregnant with me and carrying me around, I was a Baptist then. I was a Baptist 61 years plus. I'm not even 61. I've been a Baptist that long. Here's what I want to tell you. In my entire life, beginning with conception, nothing the Southern Baptist Convention has ever decided has changed or impacted my life at all. Why in the world am I going to get bent out of shape over what we do? Don't let anything distract you. You can't let buildings distract us. we got to build buildings. But whatever happens, it can't distract us. You can't let money distract you. <clears throat> How many churches let finances get in the way of them doing what God wants them to do? Listen, m- money money's to be spent. I give money to this church so the pastor of this church will spend that money. That's me, so I get to spend my own money. It's the only money I ever get to spend from my family is just the money I give here. I'm just kidding. Deb and I were talking the other day. I got a minute. Deb and I were talking the other day, and, and, and part of the way we give, she, she buys stuff through Amazon. And so when you buy through Amazon Smile, it goes to a charity. And I'm like, okay, what, we, we su- uh, support uh, charity, well, I mean, uh, uh, ch- uh, charity water, right? Charity water? 
Yeah, so charity. And, um, and I said, well, how much have we been giving? And so she looks up and she says, year to date, Charity Water has received over $3 million. I said, woman, what are you buying from Amazon that we get them $3 million? And it's like, well, it's everything together. Listen, none of that can interfere with the central thing to do. For here's the thing. If you want to reach people, you get them to Jesus. And as I like to add, you do it as fast as you can. The only thing that matters is Jesus. If at the end of the day, you want to impact people, only Jesus impacts people. So if you want to get them impacted, you want to reach them, you get them to Jesus as fast as you can. So here's the thing. It's that bringing all of this impact to a conclusion and all the impact that's yet to come. I promise you, as your pastor, that as long as I am your pastor, what we will be about is very simple. We are about telling people about Jesus. Nothing else but telling people about Jesus. And in doing that, we will impact their life. So I have to ask you, how are you going to impact the life of people? How will you reach people for Christ? Some of you, you need to be reached. You're the one who needs to be impacted. You need to come to Christ. And though I did not preach an evangelistic message, I still want to offer you the opportunity to trust Jesus to be your Savior. And if you have never trusted Christ as your Savior, you need to do that. He died for you. God raised him back to life for you. And he will forgive you for your sin and save you for all eternity. Trust him now. In a moment when we're standing here, come, say, I want to give my life to Christ. Some of you, it's to make a commitment to this church. This is your church, to so be committed to it. Now, if you want to join formally, that's fine. We've had people do it the last couple of services, but you don't have to join formally. But if you consider this your church, then be committed to what we're doing and make a commitment that in this church, you will help us reach people for Jesus. And for some of you, there are people you need to impact. There are people you need to reach. You know who it is. You have that person. Who is that one you need to reach? When will you make the commitment to impact and reach that one? I don't know what you need to do today. I really don't. But here's what I will promise you this. That when you leave this place, if you want to impact people, you can do that. If you will reach them and tell them about Jesus. So, Father, we thank you for Jesus. He is our Savior. And he is the message of salvation. And we go into this world to tell them about Jesus Christ who is our Lord. We tell them about his love. And we tell them about his sacrifice. We tell them about his resurrection. And that he's coming again. And we tell them that the only way they will ever experience forgiveness and the only way they will ever have peace with you, and the only way they will experience eternity with you is through trusting Christ to be their Savior. This must be our mission. This must be our message. So let us go, in the name of Jesus, to tell people about Jesus. Amen and amen.